Today's scripture reading is Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Morning, church. You got your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 11. I like speaking from here. Not so high and lifted up. This is pretty awesome. We really are excited about our Vacation Bible School, even though the video didn't work. Um, we love our guys who work up top. That is a tough, tough place to try to make all this juggle and be where it's supposed to be and happen when it's supposed to happen. So uh, we give them a, a little pass of grace this morning. But is this not incredible? Look at this. I mean, uh, what a better place to be shipwrecked than the KCC building, huh? Kerrville Church of Christ. Be here for the next three days. If you uh, haven't made plans to be here for those three days, uh, I want to encourage you during our muffin and melon time, grab one of those and just wander through the building and you will see passion and excellence everywhere. Uh, when we put on the Vacation Bible School here, thanks to Renee and her passion and her strive for excellence, uh, it's top shelf and she's got us ready. And so I want, to, want you guys to be involved with that as much as you possibly can. And please, if you can't be here, please pray for us. I mean that. We got 83 kids signed up, 70-something uh, adults and volunteers who are here to help put this on. So we've got a lot of folks invested and involved this week who desperately need your prayers because there is an aim that we want everyone to leave with this week. And that is to believe firmly that God is at work for good even in the midst of shipwrecks that happen in our lives. Now, some of those shipwrecks are, are much more disastrous than others. And so in some of them, you can actually have some fun, uh, as we're going to find out this week. And others are just uh, almost unthinkable. Uh, I ran into two castaways this week who suffered an incredible shipwreck. Uh, just read this up here if you can. I can't read that. It's too small. One guy says to the other, We managed to bring enough food and water ashore to last a few days, but I'm afraid that I'll be out of minutes by noon. Oh, my goodness. The unthinkable. No more minutes on my cell phone, right? Now, for some of us, it's the absolute miracle of God if that could happen. But we actually want your prayers to help us get to that place of blessing some folks to be a little bit closer to Jesus than when they start the week uh, with us here. Uh, and to not just pray for our own VBS, but also for all the VBSs that are going on uh, throughout Kerrville. Would you bow with me for a second? Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of our children. Uh, thank you so very much for the opportunity we have this week to pour ourselves into these kids and to one another. Uh, to work alongside each other. To serve with each other. Uh, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and to be the main attraction. Uh, that Jesus alive in us and working through us would um, just fill this campus all three days of Vacation Bible School. I thank you so much for Renee and her gifts and talents that have prepared us and urged us and encouraged us, uh, all that's gone on here. Thank you for all those who said yes to being here this week, who've taken vacation time for this week, who've set aside maybe some things that they really wanted to do to be able to bless other people that they might have an extraordinary relationship with your son. And so we, uh, we realize we're not the only ones hosting one at all. Uh, there's several across just this community itself. 
And so please, uh, anoint those services with your spirit's presence as well. Help us together as one voice uh, to sing out, to live out uh, the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. In his name we pray and everyone said, amen. Businessman was waiting to board his plane. And he saw someone carrying a Bible, and so he asked, are you a Christian? And the stranger responded, yes. The businessman knew that you can't be too careful when you see someone carrying a Bible and who says they're a Christian. I mean, they may not be. And so he had some other probing questions. Uh, virgin birth. I accept it, the stranger said. How about deity of Jesus? No doubt. Death of the Christ on the cross? Absolutely. Well, the businessman began to think, this, this could be the real McCoy here, but nonetheless, he had some more questions. Status of man, sinner in need of God's grace. Definition of grace, God doing for man what man couldn't do for himself. Hmm. Return of Christ, imminent. Bible inspire. The church, the body of Christ. The businessman was starting to get excited, and so was the guy who was being asked all these questions. Conservative or liberal? Conservative? Oh, now both of their hearts were just beating heritage, churches of Christ. Are you kidding me? What branch? All millennial, post-trib, non-charismatic, King James toting, baptizing all the way under. You too? Okay, okay. One more question. Is your pulpit wooden or fiberglass? And the man responded, fiberglass. And the businessman pulled his hand back and he stiffened his neck and with a little disdain in his voice he said, heretic. I know you're a little hesitant because you don't know whether to laugh or to cry on that. Jesus would call that a bad case of camel's breath. Because we humans can so ignore many major things in our lives that we share in common and yet focus on so many minor things we do. Carson was, was just excellent while ago when he read from Matthew 23, where Jesus, tongue-in-cheek, is using a form of humor that we know is irony, hopefully to open up some religious leaders' eyes to the fact that they often give a lot of attention to minor things while they're ignoring some major things of God. Jesus said this, you scribes and Pharisees, you utter frauds. You pay your tithe on mint and dill and cumin, and you neglect the things which carry far more weight in the law. Justice, mercy, good faith. These are the things you should have observed without neglecting the others. Now, you call yourselves leaders, and yet you can't see an inch before your noses. Or filter out a mosquito and instead swallow a camel. I love the imagery of that. Now, I, I love this because I think so many of us have actually used a strainer before. Some of you have used it to strain uh, coffee grinds out of your java or, or tea leaves out of uh, your tea or water from your spaghetti. I haven't used those so much. What I've used is what you're seeing up on the screen is, is a filter to um, filter out paint in a paint can. We needed that for an airless that we were using to spray our, the house in Ruidos had a lot of big, long areas. 
and I uh, had to cover a lot of territory, so we used an airless. First time I'd ever used one in my life, and we were warned, be sure and strain all your paint to get out all the impurities. Flies, mosquitoes, little clumps of paint. So that's exactly what Gail and I did. I was holding the can. Gail had the big bucket, and she was, she was pouring it into the can, and, and, and I was there catching a fly or, or a mosquito, when all of a sudden, boom, a camel went right by me and into the paint can. It was the craziest thing. You're thinking, well, you're nuts, sportsman. Well, that may sound nuts, but in our lives, Jesus is trying to point out it's pretty normal. It's pretty normal. See, Jesus is giving a humorous twist on a daily activity in his life, especially in an area where the luxury of running water wasn't present. Folks had to carry their water to their places of abode. They stored that water in these big old jars. And if left there any length of time, flies and mosquitoes and sometimes leaves would find their way into them. And so they had to strain those things out so that what they ingested, what they drank was pure. Jesus says, some of you religious leaders, you've got your priorities out of whack. You've been swallowing camels. You've got camel breath. You strained out the gnats and kept them from getting inside, but you've not. They haven't caught the camels. Much larger issues. Now, I'm sure the religious leaders are thinking what some of you are thinking. Well, how in the world is that possible? Well, the how it happens is a little bit more tricky than the fact that it happens. So let's start there first. John chapter 11 is where we're going this morning. The last time we were together two weeks ago, we focused on an account of Jesus' life that's familiar, I think, to most folks, even if they're not a follower of Christ. The raising of Lazarus from the dead. It's a story a lot of folks know. But what many of us forget is that while Jesus is performing the most amazing of his miracles, signs as John calls them, he does so with a contract on his head. The leadership of Jerusalem want this guy dead. They want him off the planet, out of their business, probably because he claimed that they had camel's breath. Now, I've had folks who've been extremely upset with me because of things that I've preached or actions that I've been responsible for but none of them, as far as I know, wanted to kill me. Pummel me, yes. But bump me off, I don't think so. At least as far as I know. John writes a chapter earlier, the Jews had reached for stones to take Jesus out. Hmm. He'd opened the eyes of a blind man. And he'd done so, though, on the Sabbath day. Right miracle, wrong day. And these leaders are upset about it. I mean, angry. And Jesus explains the reason he had the authority to do it on any day he wants to is because the God who could do that and he are one and the same. One and the same. Well, then they wanted him dead because that's blasphemy. Well, it is if you're not telling the truth. going to experience, yes, a death from them, but on his terms. Sorry, spoiler alert. The disciples are fully aware of the death threat that is over Jesus' head when he received a telegram from that day. No, from a couple of sisters that Jesus loved a lot, the brother Lazarus, his friend, the one that he loved, the friend. He tells the disciples, as best as he can explain to them, uh, this is actually to the glory of God. Just hang on. 
couple of days later, he says, now let's go see Mary and Martha. And when they get there, Mary and Martha Lord, our brother wouldn't have died if you'd have been here. They just knew someone loved that much by Jesus, someone that close to, to, to Jesus could call him when he'd been calling by so many people and asking to come and help. And he didn't come to help. And it was an incredible shipwreck. But it was when even the disciples were willing to go in knowing it could be a wreck. Remember, they know that Jesus has this death threat over his head. And Thomas, before they even make their move to Bethany, knowing that that's where the death threat was made, says, all right, let's go die with him. Doubting Thomas. What a courageous moment. But not a clue really what he's trying to Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe that? So they tell, Jesus tells them to roll the stone away. And as we laughed about a couple of weeks ago, um, some of the funniest words from the King James came out, Lord, he'll stinketh. He's been dead four days because death stinks. We know that. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. When they roll the stone away, and there's no putrid smell. No, it's because he's alive. A corpse that had been in a tomb four days hops out, and Jesus says, untie the guy, and let's get him some food. Let's celebrate. And there is celebration. I mean, there's dancing and there's hugs. No putrid smell, but lots of praise. As a matter of fact, John records this about that moment. That was a turnaround moment for many Jews who were with Mary. They saw what Jesus did, and they believed in him. <laughs> we go, well, duh. Who wouldn't believe in him after that? Please. A guy dead four days before their very eyes comes out of a tomb? Everyone's going to believe him after that, right? No. But John helps us to see that seeing a bona fide, unmistakable miracle may bring some to faith, but others to fear. Say, how is that possible? Because miracles, even performed by Jesus, aren't the key to faith, it's the soul that follows. John records some were thrilled about this miracle, but he also records some were threatened. And he writes in John 11, 46, those who were threatened went back to the Pharisees and told on Jesus. The high priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Jewish ruling body. What do we do now? <laughs> this man keeps on doing things and creating God's signs. And if we let him go on, pretty soon everybody is going to be believing in him. And the Romans will come and remove what little power and privilege we've got left. That's the response to a man being dead four days, being called out of the grave. That's the camel Furious have their meeting and they plot Jesus' demise, John says. But right in the middle of it, I love this. The Holy Spirit just drops in unannounced. And the future plans for God's Son Jesus actually come out through the mouth of the man who wanted this guy dead more than anybody. Caiaphas, the high priest. He proclaims that one's gotta die so that the many are saved. And he does so, verse 51 says, not of his own accord. But as a chief priest that year, he unwittingly prophesied. The Spirit used him to prophesy. 
that Jesus was about to die sacrificially for the nation, and not only for the nation, but to all of God's exile scattered children, that they might be gathered together into one people from that day on. These guys plotted to celebrate him, to assist him in his ministry. Camel's breath. It's the air that almost always fills the room when you come to the intersection of Jesus and religion. And tradition collides with mission. Boy, we looked at that quote from Kyle Alleman. I forgot to put it up on the screen, but what a great quote. At the intersection of Jesus and religion, often tradition collides with mission. And then a choice has to be made. But often that choice is made in the air of the halitosis of religion called camel's breath. But it's not just a religious condition. That's one thing I want want you to be sure of. It happens to all people, regardless of what their religion is. And they all have one. When it collides with Jesus' mission, camel's breath. When it collides with Jesus' values and God's created values that he's placed in the fabric of who we are as people because he made us in his image, Camel's breath. Teens have often been known to suffer from it. Their parents provide a home for them, clothes for them, encouragement for them, education, love them, and yet to their friends, they just trash mom and dad because of some boundaries that they've set, trying to love them. But their boundaries they don't agree with. And I mean a bad case of camel's breath just fills the car or the classroom or wherever the teens happen to be over some dating issue or some sleepover issue or what part of we won't be allowed to attend issue. Nat issues. While they swallow and breathe out twin camels of disrespect and ungratefulness. Rather than thank their parents, they trash them. Sometimes they flat out disobey them. And Jesus would call that camel's breath. A husband has some nat issues concerning his wife, whether he's a believer in Christ or not, sad to say. She's cooked most of his meals, washed most of his clothes, done most of the raising of their kids, all the while working a job outside the home, just as he is. And then one night he comes home and he's talking divorce. His mouth is filled with camel's breath. He's found someone else who stokes his ego better, whose figure is more Coke bottle than two liter who makes bigger waves on their waterbed when they sleep together. Those are his night issues with her. All the while, his camel issues are ungratefulness and adultery, not to mention their lifelong limp that's going to be placed in their kids' laps or the devastation to their parents or the disaster financially that's coming. Sadly, that particular strain of camel's halitosis is not the bring up the fact that God urges us through the Apostle Paul, no, commands us, some would say, to sing 
psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to make melody to God with our hearts. The truth is, some wouldn't allow us to practice certain psalms. Psalms 33, Psalms 71, Psalms 144, Psalms 148, Psalms 150. Why? Because they encourage us to sing and play with instruments while we do it. Now, we can sing a psalm about an instrument, but we can't actually play it, not at the same time. I can assure you today, if we were to obey fully the command of Paul in Ephesians 5 to do what he asked us to do with psalms, regardless of how well done we played along with some of the things that we sung, regardless of how meaningful or regardless of how low the music was in coordination with the voices, there would still be a meeting soon after service, I assure you. And there would be some camel's breath for either from the offended or the one who did the offended. Or maybe that's not your issue. Maybe it's Oh, passing the trays, Josh invites one of his girls to assist him in passing the trays, even as we've seen some of the other men get their sons to do the same thing. And even if his young daughter did that in total silence, not teaching or usurping anybody's authority, just serving. There would be a meeting after services. And there would be some camel's breath in a room somewhere, either from the offended or the one who did the offended. Some of you are saying, Jimmy, are you trying to stir up trouble? No, that's Linda Winter's job. She's a troublemaker. Oh, it's official. You've never seen some of her amazing cakes. You need to. She shared with many different places. Showers that we've had for the girls. The one that I'm talking about happened just a couple of weeks ago in our um, junior high or transition of kind of a rite of passage, leaving junior high and stepping into the And there at that service, Linda brought one of the cakes. And on the top of one of those football sized minions, I mean, it was cute as all get out. I wasn't actually there for the service. I saw the minion laying there in the and wondered who in the world did this? And I went, Linda Winters had to do this. She is phenomenal. Well, the ladies were going on and on there at the service about all the trouble Linda had gone to make such an incredible cake. Well, Averson heard that, and so she said to Mimi, Mimi, does that mean that Linda Winters is a troublemaker? Yes, it does. And so is Jimmy Sportsman. But the biggest troublemaker there was. Maybe that's why Paul warns every Jesus follower, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Expect it, because your Lord did. So let me say this again. For those of you striving to be godly and live a life in Jesus Christ, trouble and struggle are coming your way in regards to matters of life and faith. And so is encountering a little camel's breath. And also you being responsible for some. Why, well, even an apostle can get camel's breath. Remember in Acts chapter 11, Peter's giving an account of God coming to speak to him in a vision. Remember that giant sheet filled with all the animals and fish that had been off limits for him to eat his entire life? Coming down from heaven and it falls in front of him and God says, Peter, rise up, kill and eat. And Peter replies, surely not, Lord. 
I have never eaten anything impure or unclean, and I'm not about to start. And in heaven, there was total silence for 30 seconds. And then an angel said, Camel breath on aisle three. Camel breath on aisle three. And God responded, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Peter is so Jimmy stubborn. Three times God has to have him go through this, and we're still not told whether he ever responded as God had. Now, if camel's breath is possible in the face of a direct command from God, two are disciples. Don't you think it's possible for some of us just ordinary service? I do. Camel's breath is always going to be a potential malady for the church as long as there's human beings in the church. Amen? Yeah. You say, but Jimmy, can it be prevented? No, but I think it can be managed. I think we can reduce it down to its bare minimums if we'll do three things. Number one, have an attitude filled with humility. Have an attitude filled with humility. Philippians 2 and verse 3 says this, Do nothing, absolutely nothing, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility you value others above yourself. God's trying to say, well, there's a collision of some aspect of how we do things in His church or how long we do things in His church or why we do things in His church. To prevent as much camel breath as possible, he says, please, bring humility to those conversations. Yeah, even to some of those arguments. Let's both remember this is about his story before it's our story. His way instead of it being our way. Because his way over and over talks about that we do this together as a body. We do it together as a family. We do it together as a temple built together. And the only mortar that will hold that temple together is humility. The only sinew that will hold that body together is humility. And the only bond that will hold us together is humility. So we start there. Even before we get to the second one here. Is that we have a mind filled with God's word. Well, isn't that out of order? Oh, no. You ever seen someone use God's word without any humility? That's ugly. And we start first with humility. And then we run quickly to this one. A mind that's filled with God's word. It's the only hope of mission ever. Triumphing over tradition. <laughs> I know us too well. I've been one of us too long. I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Any discussion, any disagreement, God's word has the answer. Now maybe not specifically, but those who love it enough and know it enough, surely coming together in humility enough can figure it out, God says. Now it matters not what we've decided on in the past, doesn't matter what the hottest church is doing right now in the present. It matters what this word says that God's called us to do. Always. Too often, when our tradition and Jesus' mission have collided, it's been a tradition that's won out over mission. 
and those who can see it clearly are our kids. Those who can see it clearly are our kids, and it's why so many are leaving. And we're the ones who get camel's breath over it. They just try to find another place where the gnat issues aren't such a big deal in the face of the camel issues of injustice and hunger and gospellessness in the world where people don't have any knowledge of this Jesus. A third thing that we need besides an attitude filled with humility and a mind filled with God's word is a heart full of God's grace. It's the only way that we can prevent camel halitosis. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, Paul says, as God in Christ forgave you. Not as you feel like it for the moment. Not based on how they're doing with this gracing for the moment. No, as God in Christ forgave you. You bring that grace to the table, okay? When we don't see eye to eye on something, and we won't, I promise, church, to bring grace. Will you? I promise. Even when you don't. And I hope you'll do it even when I won't. Because that's what we've been commanded to do. If we're going to be a family, if we're going to be a holy temple, if we're going to be a body that truly is worthy of the name Jesus Christ. The only thing that's going to probably have me balk at any, any discussion is if you want to mess with the person of Jesus or the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to have some struggle then. And I hope you will too. If you mess with the person of Jesus or the gospel of Jesus, that's where First John, we spent almost three months in, says that's where you've got to draw the line. But I'm going to do my best to hold on to you. Can you please do the same? Will that prevent all camel's breath from coming out of my mouth or yours? No. Because we're all a work in progress. But it just might prevent us and help us from killing one another. Not so much literally, but killing our relationships and killing our witness and maybe killing somebody's faith. Now, we can't put an end to Campbell's breath, but I know with all my heart I've seen it. We can put a serious dent in it if we have an attitude full of humility, if we've got a mind full of his word, and if we've got a heart full of his grace. We can do that regardless of whether our pulpit is glass or wood or there's no pulpit at all. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning grateful that you knew ahead of time that coming to this earth with grace and truth would mean your death. And you came anyway. Would you please embolden us with that same relationship with God? that we could so trust you that when we are shipwrecked even in a church that we won't let go of you and we won't let go of each other that we'll try to find some way somehow to survive the shipwreck together Father we realize the only way that we could ever pull that off is because of you not because of us and so we humbly ask you please help us be the body of Christ be the temple of Christ be a family of Christ. And Father, you've brought some people here today. Everything that I've talked about is a gnat issue to them. They have some things that they are 
that they're just overwhelmed with, things that have wrecked their lives, that lead them wondering, how in the world are they going to pay their bills this month? How in the world are they going to survive this cancer this month? How in the world are they going to survive without their parents being in their lives this month? How are they going to survive with a husband who's walking out the door? How in the world are they going to survive? And the list just goes on and on. So God, we bring those to you this morning and say, would you help those shipwrecks before we even get started with our BBS this week? Would you help with those shipwrecks? Would you help through me, through the elders who are going to be standing in the front and the back here, would you help us as we wrap our arms around them for them to sense the presence of your spirit and the fact that they're not alone? That you truly have kept your promise to be with us always, even to the end of the ages, and you're doing it through your church. Father, we know we've messed that up sometimes. We've, we've dug our heels in on some issues sometimes and just have prevented as many people from coming as have come. But we're asking you to help us grow. We really are. We're asking you to help us, as difficult as it may be, to let go of some of that issues so that we can actually deal with the camel issues that face our world. Thank you for promising to be in it with us. We want it to be all for your glory. We know it only can happen because of your power. Because this is your kingdom tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. We're going to sing a song right now. And in case you've come this morning and this is your moment, that you want to step into a relationship with someone who could raise a dead man who's been dead after four days, we would love to... To see you experience the only death you, you need ever experience has any true impact in your life. And that's back here being baptized. If you're ready to say, I surrender everything to live for that kind of Christ, then we'll, we'll see you immersed into his name and raised into his name to walk in a brand new life. There couldn't be any way we'd kick off our BBS better. And if you're here this morning, and truly I mentioned some of those shipwrecks, and, and yours was one of them, could we literally wrap our arms around you and pray with you and over you about that? Please. Let's stand, let's sing, church.